Ladies and gentlemen, we are live. Welcome to the Sports Attention Podcast here from the Robert Allenby Studios. My name is Grego, your host, and I'm here with my co-host, Potty. How are we going, JP? Mate, I'm doing really well. Doing really well. It's great to be here on another Monday evening. Mm. Lots going on in the world of sport. A few it's different things, but um, yeah, it's always a pleasure being here, isn't it? I know we say it every week, but it is all happening. It, it is really is this happening. week. And thank God we wouldn't have a show. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we'd make it up yep. just so well, we could have a show, wouldn't we? We've actually done that before. Mm. <laughs> Allegedly. Allegedly. Should we get into it, mate? Let's fly. We're here, the Sports Detention Podcast. That was beautiful. Mm. Mm. Harmonious. Some people would disagree. Yes, yes. But as Taylor once said, mate, haters going to hate. Oh, we don't want to start that one. Well, no. Well, mate, what's caught your eye, Potty? It's a fresh week. Some fresh goss. Yep. Always, mate, and in the world of sports, never let us down. One that probably gets, uh, you know... Straight through to the keeper, but not here from the sports detention mm. point of view. Johnny Millman. Johnny Millman. The Millman. I don't know much about Johnny Millman, to be honest with you. Yeah, mate. Uh, tennis player. Yep. 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 So he's uh, been around the traps. So I think he's nearly 35 now. Mm. Uh, highlight of his career came in the – he made the quarterfinals of the US Open a few years ago and was done by Novak Djokovic. Mm. But to get there, he well. knocked off Roger. Okay. Yep. Yes. So, so, I mean – Getting knocked out by Novak. I mean, yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, it is what it is. There have been some um, pretty decent players who have been knocked out by uh, Novak, mm. the Joker, Djokovic. But I just want to send a shout-out to Johnny Millman, a real toiler, mm. you know, a hustler, if you will. Someone we like a toiler. We like mm. someone who's just going to have a good old go. That's right. Someone who's really had to earn his stripes to stay mm. on the tour for many, many years. And I get the impression with uh, professional tennis, it's it's – it's tough if you're not in that top sort of 50 players yeah. all the time. You're not playing in those regular tournaments where there's that big prize money. And if you're not getting that big prize money playing in those tournaments, you're not drawing the sponsorship mm. dollars. So to play for as long as he has, he's uh, he's not retired yet, Grego. He's coming out and he's having to dig in the Australian Open 2024. So well, let's all get behind Johnny the Millman. Yeah. Well, Johnny Millman, we'll see you down under. Yep. Uh, very good, mate. What else has caught your eye? Mate, something that um, we were just discussing not long ago, um, gyms, gyms hustling. So uh, are you aware of um, some of, um, you know, iconic brand Jim's mowing? Oh, yeah, yep, absolutely. Yep. So yeah, you've seen um, he, he's branched out, Jim's fenching, for instance. Well, he's got a few in there. He's mm. got Jim's mowing. Yep. Um, he went, I think he went into electrical as well. Yep, Jim. Went, went into electrical. Mm. Now, these all sort of seem to be things that um, – you know, Jim would be good at uh, mm. Jim's dog wash, Jim's painting, you know. Yep. He's handy. Jim's cleaning. Yeah, but very handy sort of bloke, Jim. But yeah. he is jumping, or branching out, should I say. Branching, branching out. out. Okay. Guess what he's doing, mate? Where's he going, mate? Jim's beauty. Well. Yeah. 
is is Jim doing it? Well, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to write Jim off. Oh, wow, Jim's. Yeah, yeah so uh, Jim's beauty, I mean. Now. Would you want the, uh, hopefully it's a different Jim. Like, I, I don't know that you'd want the same Jim mm. who's, you know, um, you know, washing the dog to come and, you know, give you a facial. Yeah, that's true. That's mm. true. Yeah, you want to make sure even if he's, you know, if he's going to come in. Is Jim the beautician going to come in with the boot covers? Well. You know, just so he doesn't get some, you know, some lashes down the socks. You can only hope. You can only hope. Mm. I mean, he's probably going to branch into nails as well, wouldn't you think? Well, you'd think so. It's yeah. it's a given, really. And, and you've all, we've all walked by those nail salons. Like, you know, there's quite, um, you know, a a pungent, you know, chemical smell coming mm. from them, isn't there? So he's got the equipment for that, doesn't he? Well, he's he? got it. I mean, petrol. Yeah. Petrol, you could oh. just—I mean—that's going to remove nail polish for sure. But 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 yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, so Jim Penman mm. is the the founder of Jim's Mowing, and that an interesting story about Jim Penman is that he used lawn mowing to whilst he was working in academia yeah. while he was looking to, and he started Jim's Mowing mm. or Jim's Services, what it's turned into, on the back of. Trying to fund a PhD, yeah, which is bizarre when yeah. you think about where that franchising business is now. Mm. You know, like I mean, there's not many blokes out there walking around with a whippersnipper and or driving around with a whippersnipper and a lawnmower in the back of their ute that are looking to do a PhD. No, no. Interestingly enough, though, that you bring this up, an old story comes to mind. When I was at uni, a good mate of mine, now this good mate of mine, he's one of those, he's a go-getter. Yeah. So, you know, he, he's never well, sitting Well, Jim still. sounds like a go-getter. He does. He's he, going into beauty. And so he bought himself a, uh, a lawnmower and a whippersnipper mm. and set himself up a little business where he was going to cut some lawns and, um, you know, pay his way through uni. And he brought me and another mate on board. So we went out on the first day and um, went in about two or three hours and, and made this massive lawn got 80 bucks and went to the pub and spent 160 yes <laughs> so the, the, the business went yes, down the girdle. well <laughs> i mean i don't know if jim's franchises have any remedy to that sort of uh yeah sort of business behavior but mm. anyway it'd be worth testing out i would say that there would be a fair few people who would be interested in getting jim's beauty around just for shits and giggles oh yes yeah. like it would be yeah. worth a crack yeah um weddings well, Jim's weddings. Jim's what weddings. What's next for Jim? Oh, like, well. at the end of the day, Jim's rub and tug. Jim's rub and tug. I mean, yeah. what else is he? Well, he could get in the film business. I mean, well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Hang on, where did your mind go, mate? I was thinking, um, you know, documentaries. Yeah, of course, of course. Real yeah. life fairy tales. Yeah, yeah, what type of documentaries <laughs> were you thinking? Uh, so... Jim's beauty for all our lady listeners out there who may be interested, or just the blokes who you know like to take um, care of themselves. Yeah, I mean, but if you're you know ringing up Jim's beauty looking for a manscape, and you know Ronnie turns around with his whipper snipper, he's still whipper snipper and hedge trimmer, and takes, takes yeah. off the eyebrows, <laughs> and asks you to drop your strides, mate. You might want to uh, think twice. Any of our listeners out there who know what's going on with Jim's Beauty, let us know. Mm, yeah, if you've, if you've been a customer of Jim's Beauty, mm. let us know. Give us a review. Oh, mate, what's caught your eye? Mate, what has caught my eye? The first thing is I was trawling through the socials like I do. And, mate, one of these videos, and I know it's an old video, it mm. comes from, I think, around 2017. Oh. 
But it is it's a sad cra- that that's old, isn't it? Oh, it is, yes. Um, it's a cracking video and it's about um, – and it shows a group of Irish football fans who were travelling and I believe they were in Iceland – Mm. It could be um, oh, yeah. Iceland, or it might have even been Denmark. Just I, I haven't got confirmation on that. But these football fans have found themselves out on the streets, drinking booze, just doing what football fans do. Yep. However, they've seemed to cluster around a Victoria's Secret store. Yes. And I've shown. Have you seen this video, mate? I have seen this video. I've yeah. flicked it around, but it's a, it's an absolute pisser. Yeah. So these Irish fans are just waiting for women to leave the Victoria's Secret store, and we've got no volume here. We've got the video up, and they're just getting the whoa as they come out. And these these ladies, they're absolute legends. They're, one of the ladies has come out and she's pulled her lingerie out to the cheers and whipped it around. So it's an absolute cracking video. We'll get it up on the socials for you this week uh, to check out. But, um, you know, Irish football fans cheering women buying lingerie. I mean, the headline writes itself. It does. It? it does. It's a ripper. Beautiful. So, absolute um, ripper. And to those, to those ladies buying lingerie who were just – you know, going with the flow. We take our hat off to yep, you. Yeah, so well done. Always to you. good to have good sports. Um, next one, mate. Huge Canadian beaver. Mm, yeah, right. Now, okay. There's an interesting story that's come through, and it's come through TMZ, you know, which, I mean, when you think about TMZ, you know, you always go in with an open mind, don't yep. you? Um, a lady in Canada has given birth to a 14 pound, 8 ounce baby. Mm, okay. That's big. That is that is big. Now, I mean, for those listeners at home, those listeners who have been around childbirth like us, mm. those who have given birth to a child yep. like some of our female listeners, I mean, you're probably sitting in your car at your desk at work just going, how? Yeah. <laughs> how? I got sucked into this story and I've – and if you look at the size of this baby, it's massive. So, I mean, Brittany Ayres um, from Ontario, she has, um, yeah, has had little baby Sonny who's 14 pound 8 ounces. Now, straight away I went into this and I was going, oh, my glob. Mm. But then it was clear that she'd actually had a Caesar. Oh. So, the whole Canadian beaver. <laughs> <laughs> but I think... Take a deep breath, listeners at home, because if you were thinking like I was thinking, you're thinking there's a car crash. Yeah, there's, something's gone wrong here. But, uh, yeah, so the big Canadian beaver. And the final thing, mate, that's caught my eye, it's backyard cricket season. Backyard cricket season, Backyard mate. cricket season. I'm just, it's that time of the year, you know, when you cut the grass. We've had a little bit of rain recently. Yeah. So the grass is green, it's lush. Give it a mow and, mate, you just feel like you get this twitch in your arm. You it's do. Like your, your arm starts rolling over. Yeah, like, that's right. You, yeah. You, you're walking around with an apple at lunchtime and you start putting a bit of a twitch Oh, on you're it, spinning you know. it, yeah. Rolling it out of the yep. back of the fingers. You're thinking about, you know, watching Warney yep. get ready to walk in. I don't mind, you know, a bit of um, wrist spinning as well, mm. you know. You know, thinking about the funky Colin Miller, you know. Oh, you funky. Know, the funk. Yep. Yes. So, oh, he was a finger spinner, wasn't he? Yeah. So, yep. 
Yeah. I think he, he could bowl medium as oh, well. Oh, what though, couldn't, couldn't he, he do? Couldn't what he, could Funky he? Miller? Yeah, yeah, I think he could bowl medium as well. I yeah. could be wrong. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, straight away, couldn't help myself today. Just had to get some sticky tape out at work and, and put a set of stumps on the on the closest garbage bin. Yep, mate, and we all loved it. We all so loved it. So it's all know. happening. And, you know, it's amazing how quickly a friendly game of cricket gets a bit serious. Oh. You know, you, the competitive <laughs> blokes from all over, don't they? They just oh. come up, You know, next thing you know, there'll be someone doing some stretches. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> oh, well. Yeah. And we all know who it's going to be. And anyway. Mate, should we get into the footy? I think so, mate. Let's That'd roll. The rugby league final was a big Wembley occasion. Oh, get that in here! Rightio, mate. So mm. we're into the footy and we're in, uh, we're well and truly in the preseason now with some teams coming back. And what we thought we'd do out there, listeners, just to keep the rugby league going, because we just, we froth our, over our rugby league here, is um, we do a bit of a preseason analysis of uh, two clubs each week and we thought we'd go alphabetical order. So this mm. week we're going with the um, Premiership runners up, the Brisbane Broncos and the Canberra Sticky Raiders. Yeah, and it's going to be going to be very brief because oh, yeah. I mean this early in the preseason, you know, you still got a lot of your rep players who haven't come back. They've just actually just started their their yeah. off season at the moment. So, yeah, we thought we'd just go through a few talking points and then yeah, just keep Keep wetting the whistle yeah. in terms of footy. Yeah, keep it a little bit light, you know, because it's it's one of the rare points in the season where I don't think I'm getting stiffed. So you mm. know, well let's let's just keep chill. Yeah, chill. Uh, so we'll start with the Broncos. Speaking of uh, disappointment, mm, yes, um, well, mate, big news. Yep, it didn't take him long. Yeah, Herbie Farnworth, the herbivore. Yeah, Flagler. Mm. Unfollowed on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> well, well it's a, sport is brutal, mate. It is absolutely. It is brutal. Yep. Um, they just get rid of you. They've just got rid of them. But um, there's something they haven't got rid of. In fact, they're bringing in, mate, a new kit. Mm. Bring, did you catch the new I kit? I saw it, mate. I saw it. It's um, the collar. The, the collar, yeah. So uh, I remember when I was growing up, all jerseys had collars on yeah. them. And when, when yeah. we were kids, you would play with a jersey with a, a collar on it. And you get told to tuck it in because you didn't want people grabbing it. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, look, you know, it's... I don't mind the collar. Um, well, I'm just not a massive fan of the predominantly white jerseys. I yeah. mean, for teams that wear uh, white is in their predominant colour. And I've, I've touched on this before. I won't jump into it too big now, but there are a number of teams who are doing that at the moment. But the Bronx can easily just reverse the yellow and the maroon. Yeah. The and the maroon. I well, would have just... Yeah, yeah. I would have thought Parramatta it's easy as, as, as well, you yeah. know. Uh, but, um, yeah, anyway, it just doesn't quite seem to, to be the case. So, look, I'm sure it'll be a very nice kitten off the success of uh, last season. They'll get back into it, but, yeah. Mm. Um, Vegas round one, so they got Vegas, the trip. To, baby. They got the trip to Vegas. Yep. Um, now there's a bit of news that came out around the draw. Mm. Um, now this was interesting because the news around the draw came out five days before the draw was released because <laughs> there was already articles last week being written saying that one Queensland team is going to be very very upset, and it yeah. turns out straight away it was the Broncos. Yeah. Well, it wasn't going to be the Cowboys. No. So what's their draw look like leading in, mate? Oh, look, the Broncos draw, 
overall isn't too bad, but it's atrocious in the first five yeah. rounds. And on the back of having a trip to Vegas, yeah, um, the world that yeah, yeah. that's added to it, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, that's going to add to it as well. So I think in the first five rounds they play. Um, so got Penrith. Penrith. Again. They play the Roosters. Yep. They play. Um, they got the Melbourne. Melbourne. They got the Bunnies as well. I the think. Bunnies as yeah. well. So that's a really tough draw. And um, look, I cannot really picture a world where the Broncos don't make the finals this year and don't even don't make the top four. But getting off to a bad start yeah. is it's really hard to recover from. Like I'll reflect on. Parramatta this year and the Cowboys who had f- very strong finishes to the 2022 season but mm. both started the season very poorly. Uh, Parramatta won win from the first five matches and the Cowboys I think three wins from the first 10 yeah. or 11 matches. It took them so, a while to get some momentum. So we've, both those teams at some point in the year put together five, six matches in a row where they were looking really good but as soon as they lost one they will back out of the eight. So mm. it became a real challenge. So for the Broncos, um, getting that really tough draw on the back of going to Vegas is um, is going to be uh, pretty brutal. That being said, mm. correct me if I'm wrong, but um, is it South and the Roosters and Manly going to Vegas as well? Yes. It, yeah. yeah. So, so it's Broncos, Manly, South Roosters. Yep. So the Broncos um, play... South and the Roosters in the first So five. they've all made that trek. Yeah, so they've yeah. all made that trek. So, so the, the, there might be some method to the madness there. Yeah. But for me, when I look at it, I go, well, maybe it's tough there, but obviously that might, you know, give them some breathing space around that origin period, which mm. a young Broncos side that was very successful last season yep. may be impacted by origin a lot more mm. than they, they would have. That's one way you could look at it. And the other way you could look at it is just saying, you know what, you got to play everyone. Yeah. Do you, do you want to get back to that stage? Do you, yeah. do you, want, to, do you want to win? And I'm sure they will. And, and just to clarify for the listeners, I haven't heard any Broncos players whinging about it. In fact, I haven't heard Kevy or anyone from the Broncos come out and have a, a big mm, um, suck Just the about media. It. Just the media. Yeah. So. And which leads me to that. Hmm. Like journos. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna spare myself from putting you in the penis of the week straight up. Mm. But is there just such a rush with you fuckwits that you're just like, oh, we need to break the story? Mm. That you like, I understand clubs get information like this, and it might be in their best interest. Say, look, a week or two in advance, this is what the draw is going to be. Start your organisational process mm. in terms of your travel arrangements, all that. You get that. But leaking it to journos and them yeah. them just drip feeding and click baiting with oh this club's going to be upset like give yourselves a fucking uppercut would you like seriously like we don't care about you no it's not about you it's about rugby league mm. yep I agree mate and I agree I and find it same, incredibly frustrating it's, it's the just, same with the Dally M and that oh, shit like they already we, know who's winning and this yeah. sort of, like oh you you're so special you lot yep. Well bloody done. Uh, just before we move on for the Broncos, mate, I will ask because uh, one of the other tough things that they'll have is they're losing um, 
uh, Herbie Farnworth, yep. the herbivore, and they're losing um, Tommy Flegler. So a couple of international players there, mm. and so they're going to be hard to replace. Fletcher Baker going up to from the yep. Roosters. He, he finished the season strong. And um, Dean... Dean Mariner comes in. Dean Hunter-Mariner. Hunter Mariner. Yeah, well, I'm just chucking oh, in yeah. there for the Hunter Mariners, mate. So. I thought he, had, <laughs> I thought he had a hyphenated name that I had no idea about. No, mate, I just love the Hunter yeah. Mariners and wish they'd never left. But <laughs> <laughs> oh well, yes. Um, look, I, I think yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be a successful year for the Broncos if I was to put an early prediction on. There's a few challenges there, but they should be right. Oh, me too, mate. If you can't things like injuries. And whatnot, those are things you can't predict. But other than that, I see them being right there at the business end of the year again. Um, the Raiders. Can a club logo change fortunes, my friend? Well, I'll tell you what. They, um, look, we touched on the, did, did we touch on the logo last we week? We did touch Raiders? on the logo yep. last week. So I thought so, mate. So look, you so know. So they last won the premiership in 1994. Mm. And I made the forecast or had suspicions that, the logo was actually made on a computer that was produced in 1994. Windows 95. <laughs> yes. So We all loved it. Look, I yeah, I, I don't know if they're... You know, Canberra, when they made the grand final, what was it, three, four seasons back now? Yep. Um, they surprised us with some, some very, very, you know, cunning recruitment. Mm. They're, they've made some plays in the market. Ah, uh, yeah, uh, K.O. Wakes or K.O. Wakes from Canberra. Is that um, who we're talking about? No, no. Um, so he's the young fella coming through. There's a, a British fellow who's coming over. Oh, yeah. From the Super League. Yep. Um, apologies. Yep, that's how much research we do here. Yep. Um, now, I rem- uh, So yeah. you'd be looking for another surprising turn of events where just a few rough diamonds start shining for Canberra to realistically be any chance of, of challenging within this competition, wouldn't you? Yeah, well, so if you told me Canberra were going to win the comp or even make the top four next year, I'd say uh, a couple of things they've got right already. They've got a very good forward pack. They've got mm-hmm. a um, – led by Joe Tapanay, the old head, uh, Joss Papalihi. Then you've got um, the um, uh, likes of uh, Hudson Young and um, – Corey Horsburgh, like mm. a nice Emre Guler, a nice strong pack there. Elliot Whitehead there with experience as well. Uh, but they lack in the outside backs. So for them to be a real strike force, they'd need someone like Xavier Savage, who's got mm. a big toolkit to come in and absolutely tear shreds off it and have a similar season to a Reese Walsh last year. Yeah. So I do believe he's got... Very similar skill set, very quick, but he, he's clearly not at that same stage of development. And they've, they've got good strike power. Like they do. Um, Sebastian Chris has been playing some really good football. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you Timiko. Yeah, you're looking at uh, those players really, really stepping up, yep. which is a big ask. Yeah. So look, as they usually do, their draws quite favourable as well. Mm. So they're going to be there abouts because they're going to start the year relatively well. Um, you know, I won't jump too much into the um the drawer at the mate, moment. You are all over a draw. I am all over yeah, a draw, mate. I've I've never met someone who is so over a draw. <laughs> oh, mate. Yeah, I mean, I, I like I know it can't be even because you don't play every team twice, yeah. so it's never going to be even, and I understand that. But 
Um, yeah, there are certain teams who get a little bit more favour than others. And I've other. never heard a story about how good Parramatta's draw is. Either. No, it's always shit house, mate. <laughs> um, so oh, moving on to a bit more discussion, mate. I won't get into it, mate. It's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Reed Marnie, mate. Reed Marnie. Tell me about this, mate, because when I saw this come up on our run sheet, I had no idea what you were talking about. So Reed Marnie's just giving it the old, um, you know, the Instagram photo and just letting everybody know the boys are back in town. Oh, right. You know, we back with the old hourglass emoji there as well. And, I mean, it didn't take long for the punters to pick up the fact that Paul Alamotti was in the picture and he's no longer at the club. <laughs> yes, so well done. Oh. I, I don't know whether Reed is running his own social media or he's got someone running it for him, but, um, yeah, maybe want to update the photo Yeah, because rugby league fans don't miss. Yeah, we do not miss. Um, swing and a miss there, Reed. Uh, I now realise, uh, Grego, why I did not see that. It's because I unfollowed him after he stopped playing for Paramount. Uh, <laughs> well, I took my ball enough. and went home. That's fair enough. Uh, um, sticking with the Bulldogs, mate, um, yeah. Fatala Mariner. Um, mm. Sort of big news coming around then. So my background of the story and my understanding of it is, and please jump in if, if I'm missing here, is he was... Two seasons ago, he was brought into the leadership group at Canterbury Mm. as club captain, not on-field captain. Mm. 12 Um, months ago, in fact, I think. Okay. Yep. Yep. So there was some, obviously, fallout towards the back end of last year. There was an issue and a story running around that a player had, you know, walked out on the club or, you know, basically taken leave from the club due to a training indiscretion, which, you know, was a, you know, was put out there, especially from from Gus on his own podcast platform, that it was a mental health issue. Yep. You know, which is got to take that on face value, I think, is important. Um, However, it's become very clear in the last week or so, and I initially had this in the show just for a bit of a discussion to take the piss and just say, hey, he's been told don't come Monday, who else has? You know, but it's actually over the next couple of days, it's taken a bit of a more of a serious turn and it's genuinely they're looking for a way of appears finding a solution to getting him out of the club. Yeah, so what I heard is that this year coming up he's on 800K, I think I read that. No, so he's got two years oh, at 400K sorry, a yep, season. Sorry, my, my mistake, yeah. So which I think in my opinion changes the ball game a bit in terms of other clubs going hold on a second let's have a look over there because at the end of the day he has obviously got an issue with the club that i i think is beyond repair yeah he obviously wants to go somewhere he's not going to play first grade at canterbury canterbury obviously don't want 400 a season of cap space taken up from someone who is just never going to be anywhere near the nrl squad yeah so they've obviously got to come to some sort of resolution there. However, he's obviously demonstrated, and this is where if you're another club looking at the possibility of bringing Fatala Mariner in, mm. you're going, he was in a leadership position and I would be very, very concerned about what has occurred around him now not being wanted by Canterbury. Yeah. The other thing you have to take into consideration for Fytala Mariner is it's been a long time, and I'm talking probably three years, four years since we've seen him at his best. 
So at 30-ish, I'm going to say, um, whether he can get back to that after I think it was a fairly significant lower leg injury he might have had, yeah. which kept him out for a while, you'd start to be asking some questions around that as well. And uh, 400000 k a year is not much for what he was four yeah. or five years ago, but it's a lot of cap space to take up for someone who you have the concerns that you spoke about and the concerns I just addressed. So if I look at it from a different perspective now, if I'm a West Tigers, if I'm a St. George Illawarra Dragons, if I'm a, let's say, a Manly Sea Eagles, mm. you know, if I'm a Newcastle Knights, I'm probably looking at it and going, nah, not for us. Mm. But if I'm a Penrith Panthers or a Brisbane Broncos... I'm going for 400k. You don't need to be a leader here. You don't need to set a standard. You don't need to be the mouthpiece for the playing squad, which has got you into trouble over at Canterbury. Mm. You just need to bring your 400,000k worth of talent and jump in our squad. So, look, fitting into any of those clubs you said, the Chookies, um, the Penrith, the Broncos. I would include the Chooks. I'd include yeah. the Rabbits with that as well. Te- teams with good packs, with good leaders in the pack. Um, Parramatta you could include in that as well. Just say come in and play your role, play mm. your role on the edge. But I don't think – I think maybe we're underestimating slightly that $400,000 is still a significant amount yeah. on the cap. for. A, so if you could get the Bulldogs to pay a little bit of the freight, well, that's, I mean, that's obviously going to be... Sweeten the pot a bit, but that all depends on how much they want to get rid of him. Mm. So some big issues, and it's going to get uglier because, I mean, there's a there's a photo that surfaced of the meeting between Phil Gould mm. and I believe it was representatives of Fytala Mariner. Yep. So they've met, and it was a photo taken, and Gus has come out swinging about it, the fact that they know who it is, they've looked at the CCTV, and apparently the person who took the photo was a professional photographer. Mm. So obviously now it's going back and forward where Gus is probably, you know, I would assume, from, and this is without any knowledge of anything that's gone on, is making accusations that Fatala Mariner's management team are trying to push out the news that they're trying to move him on to mm. get it, to get the yep. wheels in motion. Let's grease the wheels. Let's, let's roll. Let's, you know, so Gus is saying that he hasn't had anything to do with the photo, so he's putting it obviously onto uh, the, the players' team and saying, look, they're trying to stir the news and trying to, to push through a move. Yep, not sure where this one's going to end up, but I'm positive that He won't be at the Bulldogs. Oh, he won't be at the Bulldogs. And that's, that's as... And Gus, uh, Gus Cameron Sorallo and the Bulldogs in general as a club are going to want to sort this out as soon as possible mm. because there has been drama after drama after drama. They just want to get playing some football and have a bit of a quiet space. Yeah. Um, speaking of players who could be given a chance, Curtis Scott's back in the news. Yeah. Do you give him a chance? Uh, like, no. I mean... Some some demons. Yeah. You, you know, there's some demons there, but we're, we're talking about a premiership winning centre. He is. We're talking about a premiership winning centre uh, 
seven years ago. So, mm. look, he's, he's not over the hill as far as his age is concerned, but seven years ago since he had that unreal season at Melbourne and we're probably talking three seasons since um, he had that um, uh, issue uh, so, so since he was playing at Canberra. And quite frankly, he didn't produce his best for Canberra. Yeah. He was actually playing, sorry, not playing, training at Parramatta before, like, pending the outcome of the, the, the case that was going ahead, okay. the legal proceedings, which he was, I believe, found guilty of. So, and that's why he never signed with the club and that's mm. why he's been out. Uh, I'm, look, at, from a, I'm going to say no, I don't give you, him Are you speaking as a Parramatta fan on that? No. You, I, I, what about a fan of the West Tigers? Uh, and I know we always go to the Tigers, but they're... Yeah, they're down the pits. Well, again, I think he fits in a Raymond Fytola Mariner category where if he was going to go somewhere and he was going to be successful, he probably needs to be somewhere where there's a huge amount of support. And that support mm. is on the field as well where he doesn't have to do it all. I'd have to do a little bit more digging into the background about his history before yep. I could commit to... Um, An answer on that. Answer on that. Because mm. I've got to be honest, I don't know what he was actually... Um, and I just want to clarify. Well, there was a few. There was a few yeah. little things. Like obviously, there was the New Year's incident, which was pretty awful to watch. Yeah, you know, uh, you know, being arrested there. But he'd obviously found himself in a fair bit of trouble, and it was around, you know, social life. You know, yeah, we're on the drink and and the like with that. So don't want to comment on this stage because I don't know. But I thought there was something fairly more serious okay. involved. Yep. So from um, that perspective. Um, and like I said, I don't want to commit to it. Well, not not knowing hundred percent, but I'd be hesitant. Mm. It's a no. Yeah, it's a no. <laughs> uh, what else we got, mate? Uh, David Fafita contract saga. So, uh, mate, it's had more seasons than bloody Grey's Anatomy. I'm telling you. Uh, I don't. I I jumped off ages ago, mate. Yeah, Grey's Anatomy or the David Fafita saga. Both. <laughs> so. Um, about is a, that like Grey's Anatomy? Oh no, that's Fifty Shades of Grey. Fifty Sorry. Shades of Grey. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Didn't jump off that. <laughs> so David Fafita was on a three-year deal. That's where he left the Broncos. Came down to the Titans. That was expiring at the end of this year. And earlier in the season, he signed a new contract with the Titans. That was to begin at the beginning of this season. Mm. Then um, Justin Holbrook was given the flick, sacked, given the boot from the Titans, and he was sent um, on his way. But what that did is it allowed, um, you'll remember, uh, Tino and David Fafita to go back on the open market. And the Titans pretty much had to sign these two for larger money, even though they were both on contract, just to keep them because people came knocking everywhere, mm. uh, as they would for people of those calibre. Tino had just had a great origin series. Dave Fafita had worked his way back into rep football. But they did sign him, and we were all sitting there thinking, well, well done, you've got it done, fantastic. No, apparently Dave Fafida is able to renegotiate a contract now because every year of his contract, and this is what I read today, he has an option in his favour. So that essentially means that he's... he's off contract every year. He's off contract every year, and but the Titans have no security around him. Yeah. So he can stay. If that he's is so that. dumb. Oh, I, I don't get it. Like, why would you agree to that? Like, yeah. it's it's. Abs- I've I've spoken about this before. Why would you agree? I don't understand player options. 
They're going to say no to it if they're playing good because they can get more money. And if they're playing shit, they're going to say yes, but that's not good for you. Yeah. Like, it's... It doesn't make sense. I don't get it. Um, There have been some clubs. The Broncos got himself in a lot of trouble with it. Maybe because they got a mortgage. Oh. They just need a little extra credit, a little little extra fat around the the line of credit. Oh, mate. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) Something. Something. (laughs) Anyway, the... David Fafita contract saga, saga. I'm over it, mate. So, mm. you know. couple of quick mentions, mate. Ryan Pappenhausen. He looks like he's moving his ankle around again, and he put out a social media post saying that um, you know he's well and truly on his way. Great work, mate. Fantastic. You've had a hell of a run. Get up, get up to Parramatta. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about hijacked. Um, now, Patrick Mahomes looks like he might be uh, having a look at. Taking a stint in the NRL, mate. Is he? Um, oh, I mean, I thought it was Paddy Mahomes, but it's actually uh, Mark. I and I'm not even going to start. Go on, have a go. One. Noah Kwanatawazi. Good work, mate. Was that it? No idea. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like Paddy ha- Paddy Mahomes. It does. It does. I mean, you know, if he's after if he's after player Paddy Mahomes is. Yeah. Happy oh, days. Mate. Anyway. Um, yeah, so it, it looks like obviously it's just that you know, pissing contest between rugby league and rugby. Well, I did read that the the Wallabies were furious. What, furious about league nicking your players? Yeah. Yeah, uh, well, <laughs> righto. Mm. Anyway. Who cares? Yeah, they got a few other things to worry about as Australian rugby, but. Mm. Stream of the week, mate. Ooh, Let's move yes. on from the footy. Stream of the week. What do we got this week, mate? Mate, me and you were all over this. Like. I tell you, I can't even describe it. Sly, mate. Sly, we're all over it. It was, yeah, look, yeah. it was good. Mm. Sly. Um, so, um, you know, we in the same vein as the Arnie documentary that we covered maybe six, seven weeks ago on this, would you say? Very similar. Yeah. yeah, so. I was uh, a little less miserable after this one than I was with the Arnie one. Yeah. Because seeing Arnie in his castle at mm. the end where, like, everyone's left him. Oh, Yes. <laughs> That was a bit grim. It was, it was. Uh, so, Sly, for those listeners out here that uh, don't know who the hell we're talking about, Sly is Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> if you don't know who well, Sly is... Mate, I, I do want to give our listeners the benefit of the doubt. Well, I'm sure they did, but just in case... Probably need to find a new podcast. Sly, Sylvester Stallone, and uh, they talked about him growing up and then obviously moving in, breaking into Hollywood. He didn't have your traditional break into Hollywood, did he? No. Not at all. Yeah, so basically, uh, how was he going getting jobs uh, as an actor? Yeah, he was going terrible. He was going absolutely horrendously. Getting thug jobs. Yeah, he was. Thug jobs. So he's obviously, the the doco starts with his his upbringing in in New York and, Mm. you know, and then obviously moving to Maryland with his family. Um, You know, it was pretty grim in terms of his... You know, he's very, very explicit about his upbringing. I mean, let's put it out there. His dad was a real piece of shit. Yeah. yeah. Like, if, we're, if we're calling a spade a spade, and we are. There is. Yeah. Oh, I mean, and even in his fame, he was 
on top of the world as a movie star and his dad was just relentless. So he talks about um, an occasion, I think he was in his 40s. Sly was actually a good polo player. Yeah. Like growing up and, um, you know, was actually getting nationally ranked and things like that when he was about 13. And then uh, didn't do it for many years but then had a like, a, I think it was a celebrity polo game or something. Yeah, he, said, oh, he had the means, he had the money and yeah. he was like, look, I'll put on a polo tournament, I'll get back on, on the horse. And you know, halfway through the game he's, his old man, who was playing on the opposition team, I think, just came over and just charged him and knocked him off. Just the horse, knocked him off the horse, flat yeah. on his head, and yeah. uh, didn't. I don't think he picked him up. No, no, just went on past. But it was, yeah, it was really, really interesting. I suppose it's one of those things that you could see there was an appreciation for the value set and the work ethic that Sly had obtained due to those sort of issues through his upbringing. Yeah, you know, he did appreciate it. It's what made him what he, who he was. But as a viewer, you're watching it, just going, oh, oh mate. tough to watch. Yeah, it's it. Your yeah. dad's a fuckwit. And you know, his brother Frank, who's also yeah. um, in the business, a musician, I believe. Mm. He, um, he he spoke pretty grimly on the on the topic as well. But the thing I found really interesting about Sly was, um, and I did know this, but it just reminded me, <laughs> like he he literally couldn't get a job. Mm. Uh, we spoke about that. He couldn't get a decent job, a job he was happy with as an actor. Yep. So he wrote his own script. Yeah. What was that script called again? Rocky. Rocky. Oh, yeah. yeah. That did all right, didn't it? Yeah, it did. Rocky. Good. And you thought that was it for him. Well, he, he wrote the script. He's going to be in the show. And he was, but it wasn't without a fight. No, they tried to, they tried to pun him. So back in 1970-odd, they offered him 260,000K to not act in his own movie. Yeah. I heard another story that Carl Weathers, yeah. Apollo Creed, Chubbs Peterson for Happy Gilmore fans, <laughs> um, actually got in the ring and was doing a little bit of audition and work and he, and he said to the um, somebody who was sitting in the director's chair at the time, he goes, oh, I'll be better once you get a proper actor in here with me. And he was sitting there with Sly. <laughs> <laughs> so that wasn't on the doco. That was just a story that I remember reading about as well. So everyone was writing him off. Interesting one about Rocky. I was listening to Hulk Hogan mm. actually on the Joe Rogan podcast, yeah, which is okay. a good episode. And Hulk Hogan talks about because Sly – did a lot of his work himself. So, mm. And in the Rocky films, he was taking hits yeah. a lot of the time. And when, for those who are fans of it, Rocky Rocky 3, is it? Yeah, Rocky 3. Hogan comes in yeah. and they put on a wrestling performance and it's sort of like an exhibition fight. Yeah. And... It's a ripper. Yeah. Hogan was saying that he got paid 14 grand for that. Yeah. 14 grand. <laughs> and... He asked for fifteen. Sly haggled with him and got him down. A, got him down a grand. Like it's just. But he said that. Um, yeah, he met Sly. He was wrestling in the in the, on the circuits, and um, Vince McMahon Senior. Yep. Didn't give him the leave pass to go and um, to go and do this movie. So he just backed himself. Said, "Stuff it. I'm going to go and do the movie." One of the, you know, the best scenes in a movie that you'll see, especially with Rocky, mm. and. What happened was he got him into a ring and said, let's just try and act it out and I'll see if you're right for the role. And he said he was smashing Stallone. Yeah. And Stallone, this was just actually just trialling to see if Hulk was the man for the job. Yeah. It was just some fun and crazy stories about it. and um, But it was really, really interesting, especially for wrestling fans, that at the end of that scene in Rocky, and I know we're deviating a bit from Sly, 
he says to Rocky, Hogan says to Rocky, you did a great job after he just beat the piss out of him. Yeah. And it was the first little window for the punters at home to see that wrestling was actually a work. Yeah, yeah. You know, wrestling wasn't everybody, oh, it's fake, this, that and the other. It was. It's actually a predetermined, choreographed entertainment fighting. Yeah. And that was the first time that they'd really in the, you know, 80s had really opened the door to go, hey, good job. Like, you did a good job out there. Like, it's, yeah, yeah it's really, really interesting. Uh, speaking of um, Sly as well, he, um, and doing all his own um, stunts and whatnot, or a lot of his own stunts, at 65, I think, or he's around about 65, he, he did his third franchise, which was The Expendables. Mm. and um, Which was pretty interesting how he came to that conclusion as well. Yeah, yeah. But he, he actually did himself a really serious injury while he was, um, mm. I think it was like internal bleeding and he was in hospital for about nine days or something like that. Like it was touch and go for him. So Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed it. I found it interesting. I, it was one of those ones where it was going to be an easy sell for me. Mm. Like I loved the Rocky films. I loved Rambo. I loved um, The Expendables. I, you know, followed Sly's career. So Arnie was in the doco. Mm. And Arnie touched on it in his doco about the sly Arnie, yeah. you know, that competition that they had. It is very, very clear that they are two very different Oh, different actors. cats. Sly is a creator. Yep. Arnie is an action hero. Yeah, yeah. You know, Sly creates himself as an action hero, but Arnie's just pure action. He's he's not sitting there in the writing room, oh, you no, know, no. coming up with different ideas and this, that, the other. So they are very, very different. They're unique in their own way. And the thing that I found interesting was Arnie actually saying, and because he's so competitive, Arnie, and mm. and they were very – Arnie spoke in his doco about how competitive they were at the time as well, but he acknowledged that he would do something and Sly would better it and then he'd catch up to Sly, but Sly would better it again. Mm. Yeah, it was unbelievable. Now, the real unsung hero here, mate, is Steve Reeves. Steve Reeves. Yeah, Steve Reeves was the original Hercules. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Steve Reeves has come up in both Arnie and Sly's documentaries yeah. as their hero. Yeah. Come on, let's get a, get a bit of love for Steve Reeves. Come on, Reevesy, we love you. Um, and finally, mate, the one that wasn't in the docker, but I thought I'd touch on too, was The Contender. Yep. Mm. Did you ever watch The Contender? Uh, I did watch The Contender a little bit, yeah. Yeah, so the first season of The Contender, Sly was on. Yeah. And it was, I believe it's a cre it's credited to Mark Burnett, who does, um, you know, The Survivor, or yep. he's, he's really the, the reality TV show king. Yep. You think the Ultimate Fighter, which I love the Ultimate Fighter when it comes to UFC, that didn't come around. That came around because of the contender. Yeah. Like yeah. that's where it all came from. So even those creative little things that have, have bounced around that Sly's just had his fingertips on yep. has, uh, has been magic, mate. Well, mate, I really enjoyed Sly. It was an absolute ripper and I'd uh, recommend it for anyone. Mm, absolutely. So go and check it out. It's on Netflix, isn't it? It is on Netflix. All right. Should we do the integrity report, mate? Let's roll. Integrity. This is Democracy Manifest. All right, mate. So the integrity report. You've got um We got problems, mate. We've got some problems, mate. They're they're 
stuff has come up again and we need to get into it. And uh, look, you brought this one to the table, so I'm going to let you intro it for us. What do you know about the beep test, mate? Mate, the beep test. I've um, done the beep test many a time. Usually got to start at the beginning of a, a football season and um, mm. and obviously in uh, physical education classes growing up through school as well. So, Well, know. as a PE teacher, yep. Potty, the beep test is bread and butter. Mm. It's an Australian tradition. Yep. It... I mean, it should be on the flag. Yeah, okay. I don't know how you'd put it on there, but it should be on there. The beep test is under attack. People are going after the beep test. People are going after the beep test. Now, mate, there's a uh, University of South Australia, I believe it is, mm-hmm. that uh, have put out uh, a, a bit of a, a statement saying that they're uh, currently looking into... Um, whether the popular fitness testing apparatus, that being the boop test, is actually doing more harm than good. Mm, yep, right eh? Now, I mean, what's your memories of the beep test, mate? Uh, well, my memories of the beep test were... I used to look forward to it each year because I could remember the um, level I got up to the year before and yep. I was always wanting to go after it. And, um, yeah... I was a, you know, I'm a competitive person, so, like, you know, against you wanted to beat your mates, but you also wanted to beat yourself. So, yeah. so I looked forward to it and I enjoyed it. What 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 point of view are they saying that it's doing more harm than good? Are they talking about... Well, there's a, a, there's a little quip here in the, in the article, and this comes from Nine News, and mm-hmm. it's saying the compulsory fitness beep test at school, you know, and they're referring to it akin to torture for non-sporty types. Now, you know, it's like when people say, you know, when they make that comment, they say, oh, that was the worst. Yeah. So do you know what is worse than whatever that was? Mm. A bear eating your asshole first. <laughs> that's worse. Yeah. Getting attacked by a shark. That's mm. probably worse. Yeah. You know what's not worse? The beep test. No. You know, I think it's just, I don't know if they're trolling us with this, the professors at the University of South Australia because at the end of the day, if you were asked to do a beep test, just do it. Yeah. It's not that hard mm. and it's a measurement. Yeah. It is not, you know, the be-all and end-all. However, what really concerns me about it, if you get a beep test number and you go, oh, yeah, that was I don't really care about it, that's fine. You did it. Yeah. You know, the resilience, we talk about resilience, we talk about grit and the need to instill that in children. How does telling kids that this little running 20 metres and trying to get to the other side before you hear a beep is like torture? Yeah. I mean, what are we doing here? Yes, well, I dare say there would be some um, uh, veterans from previous uh, world conflicts that might disagree with that term, torture. 100%. Yeah, so, like, throwing that word out there for starters, I mean, please. Um, Secondly, I think you're right, mate. I I think from a resilience point of view, Mm. if if you're not up for it, at the end of it all, you really should be able to sit there and go, you know what, it's not going to be that bad. Mm. I'm just going to have a crack. And at the end of the day, mate, like if I'm doing a beep test and like here says the University of South Australia researcher, 
said measuring children's fitness was important, so there's an acknowledgement that fitness testing is important. Mm. However, methods such as the beep test could evoke unpleasant emotional responses. <laughs> so I'll look at it from a different point of view. Like, it's life, like, and I won't get too philosophical here or anything like that, mate. That's uh, not, my, not my play, but uh, life in general is full of, Pretty tough stuff from time to time, isn't it? Like it is, mate. Having to do something that pushes you I mean, is not the worst thing in the world, I would suggest. Running a beep test is one thing, but running down your street and you're trying to get home before you shit your pants, <laughs> that's also an emotional experience as well. Yeah. At the end of the day, I mean, I don't want to bring David Goggins into this. But he would be vomiting in his mouth looking at this stuff. Could you throw a suggestion at me, mate, as to what David Goggin might say? The problem is, is there's too much, there's too many soft people making decisions in this world, Potty. Mm. There is. There is a lack of resilience in this world. There is a lack of understanding the fact that with adversity comes great growth in one's life. Yeah. And there's a lack of respect towards that. If I'm fat and somebody says you're fat, there's probably something I could do about it. Mm. And I'm speaking about me personally. If I get a poor score on the beep test, there's something I can do about it. I can improve my cardiovascular fitness. There's a lot of people I can go to for support to do that. Yeah, and I think um, overcoming that and showing improvement in whatever metric you wanted to measure it in, mm. I think would be, you know, the benefits of that. Do you know what metric special. isn't going to be successful, Potty? What's that, mate? Is some fuckwit at the <laughs> University of South Australia trying to tell us that there is an inherent trauma with running 20 metres and trying to beat a fucking beep. Yep. The University of South Australia, you owe it to your alma mater, you owe it to the fee-paying students to have a fucking go and put some money towards some decent research, you pack of fucking dickheads. Agreed. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that is the Integrity Report and for this week. Should we get into all sports, mate? Oh, Yes. Mate, let's get straight into the fight game because you were frothing over these fights over the weekend, weren't you, mate? Mate, there was a heap of fights. Um, UFC 295 from Madison Square Garden. That's where it all went down. The garden? Mate, MSG. Um, now, a bit of history for those non-fight fans here. MSG and New York has always been... A pretty hairy place to go for fighters because there's been a, a, you know, there's a good history of just refereeing, judging that has just gone a bit astray. Mm. We didn't have that problem yesterday. You know why, Pod? Oh, well, because there was no uh, tough decisions to be made. They, no. uh, they were all KOs. <laughs> all KOs in the main card. It wow. was an absolute ripper. Now, the biggest hit um, was earlier in the night because Donald Trump, former prez, 
mm. Kid Rock and Tucker Carlson all <laughs> rocked up at the same time. Oh. And, um, I mean, I double-checked with the sponsorship agreement. Modelo is still the beer sponsor of the UFC. The Bud yep. Light deal has not kicked in. Yep. So I can confirm that it would have been Modelo in Kid Rock's cup of beer that he was drinking. Yes, he was well, well done, in. well done. No um, stowed unturned as far as no bud lights, is, no bud lights for uh, for Kid Rock. Um, look, a bit of a a follow up for Aussie fight fans. Steve Erzeg, he's was representing the Aussies over there on the prelim card. He come out really, really well. Um, he he was very quick, very clinical early. However, Costa with his explosive shots, was able to just put backpedal him in the second and third round a bit. Erzeg, yep. um, he, he went in and, you know, he, he dropped him, he hit him down the pipe in the first round, dropped him, was able to control. He had some really good transitions in the grappling. Um, you know, Costa did defend really well. So, I mean, there was an opportunity. I was thinking, you know, he could finish it here or with a submission, but Costa did a great job. In the second, Costa was probably Costa's round. Um, you know, he got the takedown, but Erzeg responded and, um, you know, he was put on the back foot later in the round. But he came out in the third and just, it was it was tradesman-like. He just did his job. Yep. Um, he got the decision, so two to one for Erzeg, and that's what I had it as well when I was watching it. But it's a um, really, really good fight, that one. Um, I think it was good three rounds that Steve Erzeg in, I believe it was his second UFC fight. Yep. So it was what he really needed in the 125 division. Um, so Diego Lopez knocked out Pat Sabatini in the first round, then Benoit Saint Denis knocked out Matt Frivola. Now, that was a bizarre head kick. They had a bit of a grappling exchange, and he'd push forward, and Frivola broke away and was just moving to his right. Pretty much, it was almost like he was just running to clear away. And Saint Denis just thrown this head kick and kicked him right on the chops, and that was and it. Just, just iced him, and then yeah. he moved in and, and finished the job. Can happen. Can happen. I mean, the big one was uh, in the female division. Uh, you know, the girls was Jessica Andrade versus Mackenzie Dern. Mackenzie Dern, highly decorated female uh, jiu-jitsu fighter, um, but uh, Andrade got the knockout in that mm. one. It was a bit of a, a an underdog, uh, Andrade going into that one, so it was a bit of a surprise for the bookies. But then the big hitters, mate. The uh, the big boys, Tom Aspinall and uh, and Sergey Pavlovich. Now, Sergey Pavlovich. Unfor- I'm going to predict. I'm not going to say unfortunately because I don't know, but I'm going to predict that it may not have been the only loss he had that day. Yeah. Because there is footage going around of Sergey Pavlovich working on his jab. Prior to the fight, did you see the footage, mate? I did. He was off having a slap. <laughs> he was off having a slap. There is footage going around on social media where there's fans just in oh. the pokey room of one of the casinos, and Sergey Pavlovich in his full UFC kit is sitting there having a slap. The first thing <laughs> I thought when I saw it is, oh, if a rugby league player does that the night before a game, he's going to get caned. Oh, he's going to get. This was murdered. the day of the fight. Yeah, he's going to get absolutely murdered for it. So anyway, um, he may have worn out his jab because, um, I mean, Tom Aspinall was really, really fast. His, 
early calf kicks that were low and hard were, were brutal and it was a really, really good performance. But those boys, both Pavlovich and Aspinall, are just so heavy in how they hit. You know, whoever was going to land properly was going to finish the fight. Mm. Pavlovich caught Aspinall early and put him on, you know, on notice when he hit him. But then uh, Aspinall just put a slick combination, hit him behind the temple, finished the job, and he is now the interim UFC heavyweight champion whilst John Jones is injured. Mm, there you go. Happy days. And the final fight, mate, uh, Yuri Prohashka versus Alex Pereira. Um, I had Prohashka, so I had Aspinall, and you can all thank me later um, for those who jumped on Aspinall to win in, in my multi, in my uh, well-rounded multi that I had last week. But uh, Yuri Prohashka, he, he let me down. He, mm. got, uh, he got stopped by Alex Pereira. I mean, you can't help but being impressed by Alex Pereira, mm. who's come in. He won the middleweight title. He lost it against Izzy. He moved up to light heavyweight. He's gone on. He is now a two-division world champion. Yeah. Um, you know, for somebody who Only has... the eighth in... Um UFC yeah, and for somebody who's only fought MMA for three years, yeah, wow, you know, coming from the a very decorated kickboxing background, mind you, um, Prohaska landed some good shots. And what is often, you know, despite the fact that um, Pereira is a really, really well decorated fighter, Prohaska's movement is so unorthodox, yeah, it's so okay. unusual that it does take a little bit of time for even really, really well skilled. Uh, stand-up fighters, just to get a read on them. Yeah, right. And, um, you know, once he started landing that low kick, uh, Pereira, which is just, I mean, I can only imagine that calf kick that he delivers. It would be brutal. Um, he was able to just start to get a bit of measure on it. Um, he put on a bit of pressure. He landed a couple of shots. Yuri then went in for a takedown, and he had he, he had the double – he had a double grip – around the hips, but then Pereira started landing some elbows and and ended up taking him out. I mean, there was a call about some controversy. I initially went, oh, he stopped that too early, Goddard. Um, I don't know if you saw the finish there. Yeah, I saw the finish and I, um, there was uh, – I basically saw it on a, a highlights reel and there was a fair bit of um, conjecture around whether it was stopped too early. But you were saying from a particular angle he had no choice. No, yeah. So Henry Cejudo, Terence McKinney um, are some, you know, professional fighters who sort of voice their opinions on social media as well. Um, Alan Joban had probably had a more measured approach saying that in a massive fight you just you let someone go. Yeah, you yeah. let them go out. I mean, I can understand that argument as well. But with the vision that we had as viewers watching the fight early, you go, and the replays, it was like, oh, yeah, he's probably called that a bit too early because he still attempted to hold onto that single leg after um, he'd gone to the canvas. Yep. However, when you look at it and the replay showed around on Mark Goddard's side, you could see that he had double, he had the, the power double hand position around the hips. Yep. And then as he fell back, he lost contact yeah okay with the hips so i mean the referee's got to jump in straight away there so you're gone yeah there's no complaints there and then obviously after the fight yuri was interviewed and said i was out yep so i mean end of discussion yeah easy one in the end mm. well mate four but ko's some, you wouldn't mate, see that very often some cracking fights so if you can get a chance to um 
to get the card and watch the replays of those are well worth your time and it won't take much time to be honest. Yep. So get amongst it. Uh, right. Should we jump into some NFL, mate? Bit of NFL, mate. What's happening in the world of gridiron? All right, mate. So, the uh, winners of the week were the Chicago North Sydney Bears. Oh yes. yes. The Colts, the Steelers, the Vikings, the Texans, the Browns, the Titans, the Forty Niners, the Lions, the Cardinals, the Seahawks. Yes, mm. close one against the Commies, but got the chocolates all the same. Uh, the Cowboys, the Raiders, and the Broncos will play the Bills in Monday Night Football. So we'll uh, let you know what happens as far as that is concerned, mate. I was all set to give you a bit of a report on um, uh, Seattle because I was really happy with the fact they got the win. They got to keep their um, hopes alive for. Um, uh, Slotting into that wild card spot. Mm. I don't think um, topping their divisions out of a question either. I don't think uh, San Fran are going quite as good as others might have thought. They had they a good win today, San Fran. Yeah, they Why? did. They did. Um, but uh, yeah, anyway, so their 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 um, postseason uh, playoff hopes are still alive. But just before I came over tonight, I caught the replay. Um, uh, or a part of the replay of the Browns versus the Ravens, and oh yeah, yeah, it was um, it was a really interesting game because I, as I was watching it, um, and and I actually um came uh, straight home from work, um, and so I hadn't actually seen the score, so I thought, oh, you beauty, I'm just going to watch this without even looking at the score, mm. and three times in the replay, I was like, oh, here we go, yeah, the Ravens, <laughs> but I tell you, mate, if we can put the mocker on a team. Like I did last week by talking up the Ravens and saying they were specials. Mm. Uh, I tell you so what. So the Browns had two cracks at field goal to take the match too, didn't they? They did, yeah. yeah. So they had a couple so of cracks. totally yeah. redeemed himself. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Look, Lamar Jackson looked every bit the the superstar that you want at quarterback um, going into the postseason. And uh, Odell Beckham Jr. just showed his absolute pace by blowing a couple of the Browns D. Uh, defenders away to score a brilliant touchdown, and the game started in really weird fashion as well. It was um, a, an intercept touchdown mm. to the Ravens as well, with some incredible athleticism. I can't remember the um, who, who scored the touchdown off the top of my head, but it was it was unbelievable. There were a couple of times where I thought they are just going to run away with it, but. The Browns matched them. They looked really good in patches, the Browns, and um, that they just kept hanging in there, kept getting closer and closer, but it took to the fourth quarter to really just lasso them in. And, um, yeah, I, honestly, watching the replay, I was like, hang on, how haven't they won by 50? Like, yeah. it, was, it was hard to believe. Mate, Cricket World Cup. Cricket World Cup. We're on the home stretch, mate. Quarter um, of the semifinals. Yeah, we're looking primed, mate. We're looking primed. I mean, we could touch on Glenn Maxwell's big innings against oh. Afghanistan last week. Um, yep. That was just after the Back show on the golf dropped. car, mate. Yeah, so, I mean, that was a massive innings. It reminded me of Lance Klusner. Oh, Remember Lance. Lance Klusner in the 99 World Cup mm. where everything was just hitting the middle? Yep. Yeah. You know, like Maxwell, everything he hit in that game. Until it didn't. That, yeah. <laughs> Well, clues, no, yeah. He, he wasn't a noted batsman. He was a bowler, oh. but, uh, yeah. He had a really weird technique, Lance Klusner, didn't he? He sort of had that where he would jump in the air. Yeah, he did. In, like, his, in his movement. He, he might have been before his time, Lance, mm. because he was um, – he, he, 
he might have fared really well on the 2020 circuit and obviously oh, yeah, playing, at, playing in the late 90s um, and that's when he was at his peak. He probably missed the bulk of the 2020, certainly mm. the franchise um, franchises now. So, you know, bloke who can bowl and can swing the, uh, swing the willow, mate, happy mm. day. Do you know who also missed in that World Cup? Who? Herschel Gibbs. Herschel Gibbs. <laughs> Oh, anyway, anyway. Rightio, so Bangladesh, mate. Um, I mean, it's pretty clear after the other the match the other day that they can play cricket. Yeah. And I, and we had this discussion around the World Cup and, you know, I've really, really enjoyed it and I've enjoyed how competitive, uh, you know, you would say the minnows have been. Yep. You know, the likes of Afghanistan, Bangladesh, uh, Holland's had a couple of yeah, really decent good wins. Deep, you know? Yeah, so it's yeah, it's been really, really interesting. I mean, England have been awful, and that's, that's been, been just great. the best part. Um, but yeah, not I think their it's, fault, of course. I mean, it's been a really, really good, um, good tournament, and I mean, some would say the revival of fifty over cricket. Yeah, I think so as well. I think perhaps that's um, occurred over the last uh, three World Cups. So the one Australia one out in Australia, the one England one. Uh, four years ago, and the one um, obviously in India at the moment. I think we've seen it, it come, and I th- I don't know whether I was touching on this on the show last week or I touched on it um, with you um, throughout the week, Grego. But um, it it seems to have found its little niche in that area where it allows these sides that yeah. struggle up in the five day Test cricket to really um, you know find their place on the international stage as far as cricket is concerned. Mm. Yeah, which is good, and um, obviously out of the Bangladesh game, we've got to take a hat off to Mitch Marsh. Oh, Mitchy Marsh. Mm, he yeah, carried us. He's been good, and for a bloke who's faced a little bit of adversity, to say the least in his career, mm. criticism, uh, well done to you, Marshmallow. Absolutely, mate. What about the multis? How'd you go, mate? Ah, uh, mate, so no good. I you you went good. So start with the first yeah, one. All right, mate. so mate, um, my uh, my roughest leg, the Toffees beaten um, Palace at Crystal Palace. I was like, got got that win, and I was pretty. Mate, damn I wasn't sure. even talking about that. I was talking about the Melbourne Cup. Oh, the Melbourne Cup. Sorry, the Melbourne was, Cup. Straight you, on the Toffees, mate. You picked it like a dirty nose. Yeah, so mate, I, I picked the Melbourne Cup. I was pretty happy with that. Without a fight, um, look, it um. You know, with 200 to go, it was, wasn't getting beat, was it? It was mm. just plowing, plowing home. So I was really happy with that. I um, put it forward as well for our punters club as well. So I got the glory as far as that was concerned. Then I got a big donut on the weekend, mm. <laughs> as it tends to happen. Um, yeah, but so had that. But then the Toffees had a win, which I was really happy with. But then, you know, I should have backed the Wanderers home. I backed them. Um, back you went the, for the morning glory. No, I went for a draw. So. <laughs> I thought I thought they might sneak out a draw. Like you know what, I was mm. just being greedy, mate. Yep. So uh, the odds, the odds, oh, the odds, really mate. Odds, in. Oh, mate, I'll tell you what, they get me every time. You just well, keep going, mate. Uh, I went shit house. I had uh, Lestochka in the Melbourne Cup, which I think it, I think it's still running. Yep, I think so, mate. Think um, so. And then obviously I had um, had the boys in the fights, but Yuri Prashka got stopped. Um, and for those who just ignored every other bet. Or tip that I gave, but went all in on Tommy Aspinall. Mm. You're welcome. Yep, well done. Mm. Uh, look, mate, for me this week, cricket World Cup semi-finals. I'm just all over this. So Australia's playing South Africa, and I've got Australia to win. Mitch Master top score with a ton. Okay, I, look, I think I'll jump. 
I'll jump on the Premier League before the the international break. I've got no no breaking news on that, but that's mm. where I think my money will be uh, will be going on the line. In it's the not Premier the international League. week this week. If it is, yeah. then I'm going to save myself some dough. <laughs> happy days, happy days. Oh, I'll tell you what. The next I sort of hope so. The, the ne- next fixture is going to be good, Grego. Oh, Toffees yes. versus United. The Toffees versus United. Oh, all right, mate. So, um, penis of the week. Penis of the week. So, uh, who you got, mate? Aussie Cam Smith has gone down to a close second, but um, it was a bizarre end. Uh, on the seventeenth hole, his playing partner held him up um by fifteen minutes because it was um, so he's basically sliced it into law. Oh, the thickest um, weeds, lantana you've ever seen in your life. Mm. And he's proceeded to pick up a stick, which you're allowed to do, a stick that's loose, it's fallen off a tree you're allowed to do. Yeah. And he started knocking other trees that are still attached to the plant or the, the tree out of the way and just hacking into it. And you can't do that. So... I don't know who I'm giving my penis of the week, Grego, either him for doing it mm. or for the officials for allowing it to happen. It, yeah. But we're talking about a 15, 20-minute delay at the end of a golf tournament when everyone's getting side where, the, where you want the players playing their best golf and they just let it happen. Yeah. I, I just couldn't have it, mate. We love yeah. Smithy here. Penis of the week. So well, just is it just a... Everyone not named Cameron Smith who was at the golf course that day is penis of the week. That's right, mate. That's right. <laughs> I like it, mate. Um, penis of the week. I've I've come in. I mean, the University of South Australia. They're definitely a penis of the week because they're questioning the beep test. Mm. How fucking dare they? Yeah. Um, there was another one. Um, one of the pollies. I can't even remember her name, so I can't even put her up for penis of the week. Who um decided that when putting a wreath down for Remembrance Day that she would um you know, make a comment about sustainable energy on oh. that wreath. So I, I've i already forgot your name. I hope the world forgets your name as well for trying to yep. make that political statement during a remembrance ceremony. Um, look, penis of the week. That's going to have to be the University of South Australia lecturers. Now, I'm going to get a specific name for this one because if you're going to go at one of the... The foundations of Australian PDHPE, the beep test, you need to be named and shamed. Yep. Daiki Kasai. Come on, Daiki. PhD candidate Daiki Kasai. You are the penis of the week. Well done. You have earned it as far as I'm concerned. Mm. Well, mate, what do you think? That's us, mate. We're done. Listeners, um, get around us on the socials. Yeah, we love hearing from you. Get a subscriber of the show. Make sure you subscribe. Obviously, we're getting toward holiday season. Mm. There's going to be a lot of travelling on the cards for the punters out there. Mm. You're probably going to want to have to listen to something on your trip. Yep. You know, get the downloads in, get the show, catch up if you need to. Yep. Uh, and also, to a heads up. So there's a bit, a bit of separation in the sports detention thread. So for those who may have been confused, because I've got a bit of feedback on confusion as to which show is which, mm. our sports detention football show has its own artwork and label 
and also to the OG, this one. Yep. The Sports Detention Podcast has its own label as well. So check the labels. Make sure you're aware of what you're prepared to listen to and get amongst it. Actually, just download it all. Download it all. Give it a go. Every mm. week. We love you guys. Rightio. So to any of our listeners out at Cambridge Park, mm. home of the Panthers, yep. we say good night. And farewell. Bus wankers! Farewell.